1: Good morning, I'm Ellie Weiss and welcome to Our Wild World. By now, the world should be aware of the sale of wild-caught baby elephants from Zimbabwe to China and the recent CITES COP18 decisions on both ivory, no trade, and wild-caught elephants supposedly no trade. Yet there is a loophole that is being taken advantage of, and the recent 32 elephants that were in a holding boma for the past year in Zimbabwe were flown to China this past month, despite the no trade in live elephants decision. These elephants now sit awaiting a future of captivity. Today, my guest is Adam Cruz, Editor-in-Chief of African Elephant Journal, and he and I are going to discuss the history of this particular trade in live-caught wild elephants and what happened at COP18, and this is where Adam, Wild Eyes crew, and many other peoples from Zimbabwe and around the world have been working diligently to spread the word and raise awareness and try to stop this impending sale. But it went through. So, Adam, it is so great to have you here because this is going on right now. Welcome.
2: Yes, thank you, Ellie, and thanks for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a, this it's is a terrible thing. Yeah. So let's let's start with a little history. There are a lot of people that don't understand when this began, how it began, why it began, and why it's so difficult to stop. Both on the Chinese side. And on the Zimbabwe side, and then all the craziness. I'm going to use the word that happened at COP18. So let's break this down a bit. Um, you've been following this story as I have from the beginning, and I was first alerted by Johnny Rodriguez, who has now passed away. And um, this this began quite a while ago. It's 2019, and this began in between 2010 and 2012. So. Help us understand. Give us some history, please.
2: Okay, so I mean, Zimbabwe has been selling wildlife and, and elephants basically for decades, but it's it's always kind of been to neighboring African countries. You know, like uh, if if they've got excess of elephants from a cull, they used to cull their elephants, so they had an excess of babies, so they'd send it to wildlife parks in South Africa, for example. But things started to change in 2012 when China became a dominant buyer of African elephants. And basically it was at a time when there was a spike in the demand for African elephants due to a massive proliferation in the construction of zoos and safari parks across China. Now, Zimbabwe has been mandated as one of only a few African countries sanctioned by the Convention on the International Trade in Endangered Species, societies we all know, um, that regulates the international trade to sell these wild caught elephants. So not many other countries are allowed to do that. I think Namibia is one, Botswana, um, Swaziland has done it, but, uh, and Zimbabwe, of course, but nobody else. And of course, Zimbabwe has been the most willing seller uh, and and we'll, we can explain that a, a little bit later on as to why they've been so willing with China. But basically, since 2012 to 2019, 140 baby elephants, and I'm going to emphasize baby because they are all very, very young elephants, most of them that have not been weaned from their mothers. Um, uh, so they they have been captured, and the capture has always been the same sort of process, the same pattern has happened, where essentially the elephants are rounded up by a helicopter, they are, the babies are darted from the helicopter and drugged, they fall down, the rest of the herd is chased away by the helicopter, and before they can come back, uh, tractors with trailers rush in, and they winch the drugged elephants, they basically line on the ground unconscious, but they winched up onto these trailers, and they are spirited away before the herd comes back. They are then uh, given a drug to wake them up, and they are loaded, usually quite violently, onto uh, um, uh, crates uh, on, on the back of trucks. And then they are taken away to Bomas, where they spend a few months in quarantine. After those few months in quarantine, they are then flown from uh, Victoria Falls, which is about 120 miles away from where they are captured, which is Swangi National Park. Zimbabwe's largest national park, and uh, they are flown to China to a variety of zoos and safari parks. Um, they have to spend a bit of time in quarantine there, and basically they, they end up spending their life in absolute misery. Um, and if that's if they survive. I mean, we know of at least 20 of the 140 elephants that were captured, 20 of them have died. Did they we die in this-
1: Zimbabwe, or did they die once they got in transit or in China?
2: in transit. So all of these, we don't, we don't exactly know what happened in China because things are quite secret there. Um, But we certainly know that during the capture process and the transit process, this is when the elephants have died.
1: So let's step back one second. We know they're baby elephants and um, between the ages of two and six and anyone that is aware of elephants is aware that they're highly complex. They're, Um, matriarchal groups, they're highly social groups, and a six-year-old elephant, as you said, has not been weaned. And if it's a female, it stays with the matriarchal group. If it's a male, it doesn't leave the group until it's of 15, 16 years old. And um, African elephants are very different than Asian elephants. And that's one reason why this is so horrendous. And, um, you know, we're not going to bring in Asian elephants at this point. We've discussed this previously with tim gorski who's also with wild eyes and has been in communications with adam and i so um these we know 20 have died due during the transit process we know five of this current batch of baby elephants were rejected were they rejected while still in zimbabwe
2: Yes, So, and, and this is uh, another common pattern of all these captures. There have been five captures basically since, since 2012, and every single time there's a capture, some elephants die and others are injured or become ill. So in this last one uh, of the uh, 30 or so elephants that were captured, five of them uh, were not sent. Um, we know that they were either ill or injured, and, uh, you know, obviously the zoos don't want to have uh, damaged goods, so they don't go. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. So they then get left behind, and um, luckily for them, actually they're the lucky ones, luckily for them they go to an elephant nursery uh, where they are nursed back to health, and they are rehabilitated back into the wild.
1: So we know, we're just going to say it right now, we all know, elephants can be successfully rehabilitated back into the wild. And yes, this is they're they one
2: of the few. Yeah. yeah,
1: and this is part of the sticky wicket that's going on with this whole CITES decision to do it. So let's back up once again. These 32 elephants, or 35, were held in this Boma in Zimbabwe for about a year. Five of them were rejected. Many of us were working... To stop this sale to China prior to CITES COP 18, when it was still legal, China had bought them, had paid for them, and was ta- paying for their care rather than putting this burden onto Zimparks. So Zimbabwe was accepting the money from China to care for these elephants while they were um, on the way. Then COP happened. COP 18 happened. Uh. Let's talk about that a little bit because you were a big part of that in um, August of what happened. You spoke with uh, the Secretariat and the um, Secretary General, Ivan Higuero, and some weird things happened. So previously, John Scanlon with CITES had approved China as an appropriate destination for wild elephants. That in itself is kind of odd. Then in 2019, John Scanlon rescinded that in an open letter he sent to the public that China is not an appropriate destination. So, CIDI said no trade in live elephants outside of African range states where they live. And then a caveat happened. Tell us Uh a little bit about this process, what happened, and then the loophole that these elephants got stuck in.
2: Yeah, okay, so, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a big campaign, and it was a campaign that, that was brought upon by uh, massive media uh, coverage, uh, basically since 2014, um, where, you know, we as journalists got uh, a lot of the coverage in, in um, publications like National Geographic and, and The Guardian and, and other big publications that went worldwide. And it basically forced the CITES secretariat to uh, ha- look at this from a welfare perspective, really for the first time in CITES history. Because CITES, they don't really deal with welfare issues. They deal with statistics. You know, their, their thing is, if, if it doesn't threaten the, the species numbers – uh, then it's okay to trade with them. And it doesn't matter what kind of trade you're doing and how, how much suffering is, is incurred in that. But this was the first time because of this kind of media coverage and, and the response from the global public that they just they had to then look at it from a welfare perspective. So a few years ago, they had to look at zoos and safari parks in terms of whether they were appropriate or acceptable to take elephants. Could they be suitably housed to accept an African elephant. And for the last two years, this is the debate that's been raging between, behind closed doors at CITES. And then now in COP, in August at COP 18, uh, a very cheeky proposal was put forward by Burkina Faso among uh, other African nations to say that, hang on, you know, the only appropriate and acceptable destination for an African elephant is in Africa. I mean, come on, you know, that's pretty logic, but we didn't think that would go through Yet somehow when the vote went, you know, this pro- 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 this proposal was put on the, t- the table and uh, it was voted upon. We didn't think it would go through because we knew that uh, the United States of America, which is a big zoo country, and the European Union, which has a lot of zoos, would vote against it and that's what their intention was. Except the European Union and its 28 member states weren't ready to vote, so they weren't allowed to vote, which meant – that the vote actually went through in favor of stopping this trade. So, And, and wow, we, and we announced
1: that at the time it was a huge, huge win Absolutely. for Elephants. It
2: was a massive win. It was a scoop, and we were like, wow, this is fantastic. We've, we've actually stopped this trade. This is, this is now over and done with. Um, the European Union, however, they could veto it in, in a plenary session later on. But we, again, we, we, we mustered uh, the the media. We, we got the celebrities, you know, we called to arms. Uh, another massive uh, worldwide um, uh, awareness campaign of this. And the European Union, because the spotlight was on them, decided, okay, we will then stick with this vote. We will allow to go through, but on one condition. And uh, that condition was, and, and we had to go for it because if we didn't allow the European Union that condition, they would definitely vote against us and then we'd definitely lose the vote. The condition was that they were not allowed to be exported beyond Africa unless under exceptional or emergency circumstances. Now, that is quite a subjective term. So it's a little bit of a loophole. Right, And this is exactly what Zimbabwe are trying to utilize in terms of this bunch of elephants that they've just sent that before the COP had happened, as you had correctly said, China had already bought and paid for and the elephants were captured and awaiting transportation in those bombers. So essentially, these Zimbabwe decided, okay, listen, the, we, we've got the money for these elephants. We've probably spent the money. No doubt they've spent the money and they can't pay it back because Zimbabwe is a very poor country. And so they decided to use this loophole and say, right, listen, we, we, it's an exceptional circumstance. They've been caught already. Uh, there's nothing we can do. We can't send them back into the wild. So let's send them on. And, and that, that's basically that created an
1: uproar, an absolute uproar uproar because we all figured no live no live elephants would go, so that brings us up to where we are now. This is all basically just happened since august so um you used a a word the uh, just a little bit ago um Zimbabwe is sanctioned to sell elephants, so this is a special circumstance for Zimbabwe. And um, that they were allowed to sell elephants. Let's go back to what you talked about, that they have an excess of elephants. And it kind of segues into what's happening now, the most recent news, that Zimbabwe, Namibia, and Botswana, and as yet unnamed Afri- uh, SADAC, Southern African Development Community Countries, are putting up the Article 18 reservations to withdraw from CITES so that they can sell elephant, giraffe and possibly rhino so let's step back a second and why Zimbabwe has so many elephants which they like to call a conservation, conservation success and that CITES is punishing their success by not allowing them to trade and um, what we can call excess surplus elephants especially when they're is a transnational park there. So help us understand how convoluted and complex this is.
2: Okay, so Zimbabwe, along with three other Southern African countries, Botswana, Namibia, and South Africa, have a special, they are different from the rest of Africa in that they uh, have their elephants listed under an Appendix 2 listing. Whereas the rest of Africa is Appendix One. Now, Appendix One means that you cannot trade commercially in in elephants, in any elephants, live or dead elephants, like ivory or anything. Yet these four countries have a special annotation, and they've been allowed to sell their ivory in the past, and not at the moment because there's a little annotation that prevents that. But they are also allowed to sell their live elephants, and the reason for that is that these four countries have lobbied successfully uh, at CITES that their elephant populations are not threatened like the rest of Africa. Now we all know that the rest of Africa, most of the elephants are getting wiped out at horrific rates, at alarming rates. We've lost a third of the continent's population. Yet in Southern Africa, the argument is that there are actually too many elephants. There are so many elephants, they don't know what to do with them. They are destroying crops. They are uh, bursting at the seams in the national parks. And the only reason to deal with this is to either sell them live or kill them uh, – or cull them is the word they like to use, but it's the same thing – and uh, and then sell off the ivory stockpiles generated from those culls. So that's their big argument. They are saying you know, they can make a lot of money with all these excess elephants. And uh, if they are allowed by CITES to sell huge amounts of live elephants and huge amounts of ivory stockpiles, they will then use that money to go back into conservation. That's their big argument. So the the question is – there are two questions, really. One is, do these countries really have too many elephants? And two, does the money really go back into conservation? I'll answer the second one first. No, it doesn't. It goes – it doesn't go anywhere near conservation. It doesn't go anywhere near local communities or poor people. It goes straight into the back pockets of the the, the head honchos in, in in the sort of Politburo uh, at the high levels of government. Th- this we know because as soon as the money gets paid, it doesn't filter through anywhere else. So it just disappears upstairs, right? The second thing, is there... Or are there too many elephants in Zimbabwe and, and, and these other countries? And it's it's this is a more difficult question to, to answer because there are a lot of elephants, but these elephant populations are still in decline. And the only reason why there's a perception that there are too many elephants is because of encroachment into their natural habitat, human encroachment into the na- natural habitat through agriculture and urbanization. So it's not so much a case of... of too many elephants, but more of elephant populations getting hemmed in and fragmented within these countries. Now, there are many ways to deal with this other than selling them off to overseas countries. And let me tell you something. A few hundred elephants versus of a population of, let's say, 40,000 in, in uh, Zimbabwe is not going to make the slightest dent to the population. So that argument doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Selling live elephants or culling a whole lot of elephants isn't going to change the population dynamics in iota. So they're using that as a means to justify their ends. So this, incorrect.
1: this kind of brings us to what's going on in Botswana right now and the um, decision to lift the ban on hunting and that elephants are – you know, creating conflict with local people. Local people aren't benefiting from it, so therefore conflict. So human-elephant conflict. So um, what happens to the transnational park that's in this area? So human development is encroaching on these areas. Why can't the elephants move? And then I'm going to get into some things about culling. But why can't the elephants move?
2: Okay, so this Transnational Park is a paper park. It's, it, it's a nice big green space on a map. But when you're on the ground, it doesn't exist in reality. It, it's, it's, most of that park is, is human uh, inhabitants. So, uh, you're, and, and there are big towns in there. You'll see towns like Kasani and Victoria Falls, uh, Livingston, all in, in this park. And there are a lot of humans living in there. There's a lot of agriculture in there. There's a lot of cattle. In fact, there's far more... Head of cattle than there are elephants probably like a hundred times more and if you really want to know what the problem are, is there it's too many too many cows really it's not right. it's not too many elephants so it, that, that's a paper box. So that's a one thing. And the elephants aren't moving as they should be able to move. They're not allowed to get across places because their corridors, their migratory routes, are getting blocked each and every time as soon as you know as humans expand into the area. And this is really what is what is happening here. And, so and, and
1: roads are a part of that. I know the main road leading. Um, from like Mound to, up to Kasane is a fast road. It's a trucking route, and it goes right through into Chobe National Park, yeah. and there's elephants crossing the highway. We encountered a young elephant, maybe a, 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 a juvenile, 10, 9 to 12 years old, that had been hit by a truck, standing shocked in the middle of the road. And people keep saying, yeah. "Why you? Why can't you get out and help it?" And you you can't, because a it's wild, b it's injured, c it won't accept you helping mm. it. It doesn't know it is that. So there's yeah. a lot that happens on these transit mm. routes to these elephants. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about fragmentation, you know, it's not just fences or anything, it's roads, you know, and, and the, the, these kind of impact on the migratory routes and, and, and stop the, the sort of natural flow of elephants, you know, they, they try and cross and, and often they can't or they, they get scared or, or uh, you know, somebody shoots at them. Or, you, you know, there's so many uh, reasons why these elephants cannot move as they naturally did not so long ago. Um, and and the big you know Botswana is a big cattle country and and so is Zimbabwe so you know cattle comes first and as soon as elephants and cattle sort of join together the local villagers will will start harassing the elephants and chase them away and kill many of them so it's it you know this kind of notion that uh, you know elephants are are uh, you know invading crops and all that is it's not it's not true it's rather the crops are invading the elephants you know it's the other way around right and and so you you have this situation where I mean, and it is a problem, and it, it needs to be worked out, definitely. But solving it by selling off baby elephants uh, is, is not going to uh, do anything. In fact, it will exacerbate the problem because the herds that are left behind are so freaked out by their babies getting snatched away from them. They become very aggressive, and we all know that elephants have a great memory, and they then develop an absolute hatred for anything that is human, uh, whether it's a truck, a helicopter, a tractor, you name it. And so they become more and more aggressive uh, as time goes on and the more you, you start snatching the babies from them. So it's kind of counterproductive. It's not helping the issue. It's it's just exacerbating.
1: And, and history tells us this back you know, 50, 60 years ago when South Africa did culls and they got very good at um, shooting down a family of elephants in less than 60 seconds. But now we know 50 years later through many groups working on the complexity of the behavior in the mind of the elephant of what you just said. They don't not react to this, they react strongly to this. And then there was that case of the 16, I think, um, juvenile male elephants that were moved into South Africa many, many years ago. And they started picking fights with the rhinos and killing other wildlife. And they finally realized, oh, let's bring in some adult male elephants and teach them how to be elephants. So a big point here, what I'm getting at is when we do this to elephants, and especially when we take these 30 elephants and ship them over to China, they lose the ability to be what they are.
2: Totally agree. They lose, they lose what it means to be an elephant. They just become a shell of what they are. So ele- everything that makes them an elephant disappears.
1: So why would anybody want to look at that?
2: So this is, I mean, this is a big question, really, and and I suppose it boils down to a bit of ignorance or or the the sort of thrill of the exotic. You know, one of the reasons why China is importing elephant, African elephants and not, and not so much Asian elephants is because African elephants are so unique to the viewer. And this is what zoos thrive on. You know, this is their, their financial bottom dollar. You know, they, they need the exotic to, to keep the zoo going. I mean, even though zoos should be anachronistic by now, um, the fact that they have something that's from an, another part of the world uh, is, is going to bring in people i mean azure in europe if it or in, in the united states if it exhibits a wolf is not really going to have the same amount of traffic if it exhibits a tiger or you know a panda bear or something so it's this kind of notion of the exotic that draws people in and then china is a little bit different as well because they get the, al- the animals to perform so it's not only the exotic but here it is doing a trick, you know, jumping over a ball, or you know, holding something up with its trunk, or drawing a picture. I, you know, those kind of weird things. It's just—it's uh, not,
1: not even an an, um, an 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 attempt to make a uh, environment for elephants, which many U.S. zoos are now trying to do, and it has changed precisely. a lot in U.S. zoos in terms of no more african elephants in captivity they're beginning to go to sanctuaries as they die off and this was one reason why the u.s. did want to vote for trade in live elephants is to replenish um, a dying population of uh, elephants in American zoos so it becomes an entertainment issue of what we're trying to do and folks a huge awareness-raising issue. We need to step away for a break right now, but we have a lot more to say, and Adam is has done a lot of work on this for many, many years. So, Adam, stick with us. Folks, we'll be right back.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. That's one 472 If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world.
1: And welcome back, I'm Ellie Weiss. You're listening to our wild world and my guest Adam Cruz of the African uh, the Journal for African Elephants. So where we left you off sort of on a cliffhanger is what happens to these elephants once they get into China, and that China is it or is it not an appropriate and acceptable destination and some sticky wicket that happened with John Scanlon and Havan Higuero this year about that. Adam?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's China, the, the zoos are clearly, like you, like you mentioned earlier, the zoos are not appropriate and acceptable. They're certainly not like European or American zoos. Um, they don't even use the word zoo. They, they love the term safari park or, or entertainment park or leisure park. Uh, where the elephants kind of are almost performing in front of crowds. Uh, there's like big stadiums. It's it's similar to SeaWorld, you know, where, right. where the, the animals have to perform. So that's the kind of place that they these elephants grow up in, um, and and that's just the the entertainment side. Where they actually live is in you know concrete cells uh, in very cold conditions that they are unused to, uh, eating food that they are unused to, separated from other elephants. So that's very cruel for an elephant as well. So these are clearly not appropriate and acceptable destinations. And in fact, we know this because even in one of the, I think the 2015 and 2016 exports where 27 and 35 elephants were exported. Separately, the, the Zimbabwean management authorities went over to actually look at these zoos and assess them. And even the Zimbabwe authorities came back and said, these zoos are not up to scratch. They are way too, too substandard for, for these elephants. Unfortunately, the report was all but ignored by the, the Minister of Environment in Zimbabwe and the elephants were flown across anyway. Again, that points to the fact that somebody was making money out of it.
1: Well, let, 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 let me just interject here. So at COP18, you and Yvonne had a bit of a conversation in one of the side rooms, and she did an interesting little sticky wicket there. She said to yeah. you that prove provide the evidence and the proof that these baby elephants are being mistreated to the secretariat, and the secretariat will... Do something. You provided the proof. She commented on that. And then she flipped and went, Oh, take it to the Zimbabwe Management Authority. Let's just talk about that wackiness for a minute.
2: Exactly that. I mean, based on, on what the Zimbabwean Management Authority had had said on their report in, in 2015 and 16. Um, so at COP18, I had got wind that Yvonne had actually a month or two before had visited Zimbabwe and she was taken to see these elephants. And she then, well, I confronted her. On that uh, issue at COP18 and she had to admit that she was there and she basically said that she thought it was pretty okay to send these little babies and they weren't so baby, she thought, because they had little tusks. I mean, now Yvonne's the elephant expert. Um and, and that they were all healthy and everything, and that uh, it was all pr- perfectly acceptable for them to go to China. And she said, but if you have evidence that th- these Chinese zoos are, are, are uh, unacceptable, please provide it. So I said, well, here I have it. I've got the report by the Zimbabwe Management Authority. And she then said, oh, oh, uh, well, um, don't give it to us. You will have to give it to Zimbabwe first. So basically she was passing the buck. So, and uh, we have we have
1: footage of all of this. This is what's so crazy is there is film footage um not just by us, not just by you, by people at cop eighteen who are involved in this issue. so that was a huge thing and it looks like now um i'm not sure, but the secretary general Yvonne Jaguero should be facing some very um, intense backlash from this, but it keeps getting pushed off to the side, other than oh, exa- b- other than exa- by exa- us who are following this closely.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and this is the thing: the secretary general should be, and the secretariat should be impartial to all these issues. I mean, all they should do is basically make sure that everything is done you know, uh, correctly, that the votes are taken all right and that, that if a country uh, reneges on certain things that they should follow up and, and make sure that that country is brought to book. But they, And they should be completely impartial. They shouldn't favor a, a, a trade over a non-trade or, or something like that. So Yvonne was basically being very unbiased. Uh, she did finger John Scanlon uh, or the secretariat during John Scanlon's time uh, before, uh, John has categorically said that he did not say that the, the Chinese uh, zoos were were appropriate and acceptable. Um, uh, so, I mean, it, it just seems to be that the the whole sort of society's um, management team secretariat, uh, are not doing their job uh, properly. And Yvonne, new at the job, probably doesn't realise that she's got herself into a lot of hot water. And uh, rightly so; she shouldn't. She shouldn't be. Uh, allowed to be saying things like that, she should be um, brought to book um, because the secretary general should be really, really impartial about these things, right? Especially when the evidence is so blatantly obvious that these elephants were. She said they weren't so young; they were very young. They are very young. We've got footage today that came through of these elephants languishing in, in that. Quarantine area in Shanghai and China And they are very little I mean I've had experts look at this These elephants are no more than two years old They are very little
1: Yes and I received that footage today as well And let's talk about that a little bit Um, Previously we had said How um, untransparent Opaque And shrouded in secrecy These sales have been So in Zimbabwe They're cared for by Zimbabwean Um, elephant keepers along with Chinese keepers who are learning up with it. Then they get transferred to China and they are currently in Longmont uh, Zoo,
2: Mm -hmm. that's correct
1: right and that is a huge place where it gets very cold in the winter and they're kept inside because it's cold and as adam said we received footage of the inside of where these baby elephants are and it is horrendous there is nothing in there that is appropriate or acceptable and both adam and i will be posting this footage uh It'll be on our Facebook pages and uh, Journal of African Elephants, African Elephant Journal website, and uh, I'm sure Adam will be doing a story. Go to AfricanElephantJournal.com and you'll see a whole history of uh, reports that Adam and the African Elephant Journal has published on just this issue of Zimbabwe elephants and going to China. And inside this cavernous, echoing concrete warehouse are cages upon cages with huge bars in between them and concrete walls with some like grass or hay spread on the floor and each baby is in a a room maybe from what it looks like maybe 20 30 by 30 it's hard to tell and they're separated there's nothing living in there except for these um, baby elephants that are quickly losing all sense of their se- themselves.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrific. I mean, they they these poor elephants are never used to. They've never been inside, you know, let alone stand on a concrete floor all by themselves without any a straw or food. It's just an empty. Uh, cell that they they live in. They can't really uh, even
1: touch each other other than through the bars
2: with their Yeah, other than through the bars. And you can see, you know, a lot of them are very uh, reticent. They're kind of hiding in the corner. Some of them have got sores on them. Others have their ears back. You can see that they're very, very stressed. They are not happy. Um, I mean, these poor animals have, have gone through absolute hell. And um, and they continue to go through absolute hell. And they will now because this longemont animal park near Shanghai is not even finished. So they're kind of living in this kind of newly built, like you said very correctly, a warehouse. Um, and they, they're not even going to see anybody until the spring. It's going to be bitterly cold there. They're not used to that. It's going to be snow. I mean, I have no doubt that uh, a few of them are going to die. And those that survive are just going to be the most miserable elephants in the world
1: it's it's just it's just so horrendous i mean it breaks my heart everything. I know of elephants from working with oh, uh, Cynthia Moss to Katie Payne to Joyce Poole and Petter Granley, you name it. And now you, everyone who knows elephants, knows this is not acceptable. We in the States um, are getting to that point, you know, between pause, um, uh, performing animal welfare uh, society and. Uh, Scott Blaze with the um, Elephant Sanctuary in Brazil and the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee. The whole goal here in the U.S. has been about getting elephants out of captivity. And this is a huge goal going on around the world. And to have this happen in 2019, when we know so much, flies in the face of everything we've been working towards. So, presents a huge disconnect of what's happening here and what's happening in China as China wants to be seen as an excellent partner. And as China sweeps across Africa, providing huge money for infrastructure. So it used to be about NGOs and aid and World Trade Organization and um, the IMF and all of that and debt deals. This is another debt deal but it's about live beings can yeah. you go back and tell us a little bit about this debt deal and this takes us back to in t- you you'd said in 2012 eight elephants were moved in 2015 27 elephants were moved in 2016 35 elephants 2017 38 elephants and now this year 32 elephants so china bought these it's China helped Zimbabwe a lot. We know the money disappeared. We don't know where it went. And Zimbabwe is paying off this debt through elephants. How do we today raise this awareness? Thank you so much for doing this program. We've posted it on your website, my website. So many people, the um, PES Advocates for wildlife, lawyers, and the, the Zimbabwe court case. What happened with that?
2: Mm. Well, it's still pending. And the thing is, this is what's really interesting, is Zimbabwe itself has defied its own national laws. So, and again, this points to, it goes right to the top. Somebody at the top in politics in the political uh, arena of, of Zimbabwe is is cashing in on this. I mean, let's let's sort of quickly deconstruct this. Yes, these these one hundred and forty eight elephants netted Zimbabwe about five million US dollars, which seems like a lot of money, but. If you look at it in terms of going back into to conservation or going to local communities, that is nothing. It's peanuts. It's not even, it doesn't even pay for, for the salaries of the staff at, at the national parks you know, o, o, over the time period of, of seven years. Right. So th- th- that money is nothing. But it's a lot of money if it goes to a few people. And so if it was uh, supposedly a sustainable revenue, it wouldn't be used because it doesn't go anywhere. But if it is going into the back pocket of somebody, of course it's going to be continued because somebody, a few individuals maybe, are benefiting from this. And this is really what is happening. And China is paying this money through a facilitator with a Chinese facilitator in Zimbabwe. China is benefiting in that they're getting whatever they need, natural resources, endangered species, whatever they need. Zimbabwe... The few that are benefiting are as happy as, I mean, they got a new Bentley or a Rolls-Royce or a holiday to to Cancun.
1: So some of these people, I understand through a colleague, um, Nick Lynch, who is very vocal, some of these individuals have sanctions against them from traveling, and yet they're running around free as a bird.
2: Sure. I mean, this is a, this is the strangest thing of all. I mean, they have sanctions, but there's still places that they can visit. I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of non-aligned countries uh, that don't sort of uh, bow down to the, the sanctions, the global sanctions. I mean, Russia is a classic example of that. I mean, you can go to Russia if you are part of a non-aligned country uh, like Zimbabwe. Singapore doesn't care. Um, there are many, many countries where, these, where anybody can go on holiday. So this doesn't make any difference. You know, the U.S. sanctions on Zimbabwe hasn't made the slightest difference. All it does is widens the door for China to march in and, and basically take whatever they need. I mean, it's, we talked, there's so much news about quid pro quo with the yeah. United States. But when it comes to China and Africa, that's how it works. Quid pro quo, quo, you know, you give me something, I'll give you something. End of sort. It's so simple. It's a simple deal.
1: And it's a really ugly deal. And just so folks know, elephants aren't the only animals that are being exported from Zimbabwe to these zoos. There's been lions, there's been hyenas, there's been giraffes. I mm-hmm. was sent a link to Longemont Park and you can see all its construction details and I singled out a couple photos where they show this circus-like um, huge Disney theme park, at least the size of Disney Orlando and we we didn't say this, this Longemont Park is like the size of 5 to 10 Disney's. With separate sections, each highlighting one is a marine park has whales, dolphins, all of that. Another one is this African safari park, and in this mock-up picture, it shows people walking around outside this building, along with an elephant and a giraffe, just hanging out.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's it, you exactly. You said it. It's it, it's Disney. Disneyland, but with live animals. That's what it is. And, you know, instead of Mickey Mouse, you've got, you know, giraffes and and real elephants.
1: It's it's horrendous. So this brings me to um, advocacy and why we're doing this program today. We have about 16,000 listeners to our um, program. It's growing all the time. So how can we get our global listeners to coordinate and create and function as an effective group of advocates to get behind this and change, change this. Either one suggestion is get the Zimbabwe elephants back to Africa and rewild them. I highly doubt that will happen, but what, might be able to happen is to ensure before COP19 in three years that this doesn't come up again or that it does come up again and it will never happen again. What can we do?
2: Okay, so I think the the main thing is to keep this issue alive. You know, there, there's always a tendency for for a, a, a an issue to to sort of you know flash up and then and then disappear. So this issue has to stay alive, and and the pressure has to keep going on China. We successfully got China to to stop the ivory trade. You know, remember they were the the main consumer of ivory, and a couple of years ago they finally, under pressure decided to stop their domestic trade in ivory. So as long as we can keep going at China, I think Zimbabwe is pretty much a lost cause because, you know, as long as they're corrupt officials at the top, we're never going to win. But in terms of China, there's definitely room for them to or, or to persuade them to stop what they are doing. And if we can somehow persuade china that you know live elephants i mean you know we we can stop the trading dead elephants we got to do it in live elephants as well you know it's the next step it's it should be a pretty easy step to do but we can only do that if we keep the 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 story alive if we keep the story global okay so Um, this um, this brings up go ahead finish no, no, sorry. I, well, I was just saying is that it, it, unfortunately what I am, am starting to see is there's a lot of fatigue with the major publications with the story. Um, you know, it, it's uh, seen as, as a, a kind of the journalists that are covering it, like myself, are seen more as activists rather than journalists, which is a bit sad because, you know, it, it's, we, all we are doing is trying to, to highlight a wrong that should be righted. And I think that's – we need to somehow just keep that going.
1: Okay, you bring up a couple of points that I want to break down a little bit further. Okay, recently in the news is that, and we mentioned this briefly earlier, the su- southwestern Zimbabwe, Botswana, uh, and Namibia, possibly Zambia, Tanzania is all on board, but it's not with it right now, and unnamed countries in the, the SADC countries of South Africa are filing reservations to CITES that they want to trade. elephant and giraffe. China has a lot to trade, period, and is a member of CITES. So, if these countries withdraw from CITES, it's going to affect hugely what happens in China, because I doubt very much China would withdraw, or do you think they would? And take the brunt of not being able to trade and everything else and just go the completely illegal route with what they're trying to present themselves as on the world stage today?
2: No, the China will, will I do not think they will leave. And I think, you know, SELIC are trying to, I don't think they'll leave either. I think they're just trying to saber rattle there and, and threaten and, and hopefully, you know, everybody will bow down to them. But uh, I do not think uh, China are going to leave. Uh, and the fact that China won't leave means that these southern African countries, if they do uh, leave, which I don't think they will, um, they won't be able to trade with China. So it, it, it's the end of it there I mean, so certainly we I think that's a positive positive. and as long as we keep that pressure going um, I think China are too nervous to to leave a world body like CITES. That's too important for them to leave They are already dominant there. They they started to get a good reputation on other species So I think they would like to maintain that goodwill among the other nations. And um, so, yes, I absolutely do not think they're going to to do something uh, completely crazy and, and leave CITES.
1: Okay, so this is a story, folks, we have to keep our eye on because it's making waves across the ether as we speak. You brought up another um, important point, Adam, that journalists um, are are not being – heard by the international media, the, the big media, to keep this on awareness. And many of us who are reporting on this are NGOs, non-governmental organizations or nonprofits. And this brings the question is, many of these issues of stopping the trade in wildlife and um, following the illegal trade, seizures, are taking the brunt of the duty of law enforcement. Is it a conservationist's job to be doing this or is it law enforcement's job to be making sure CITES regulations are followed?
2: Definitely law enforcement. I mean, and, and this is one of the big arguments against CITES. I mean, I heard your, your interview with John Platt, and it's one of the big problems, one of the big gaps that CITES needs to address is that the enforcement issues are, are non-existent. And in, 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 in order to enforce things, you need law enforcement. You need Interpol. You need uh, uh, um, national uh, law enforcement agencies to, to sort of come to the party. I mean, many countries don't treat Wildlife crime is a major crime at all. That needs to change. You know, it's not the job of the journalist to try and, and bring this uh, up and, and then, you know, a lot of us take the brunt of it. I mean, many of us actually lose our lives in, in efforts trying to, to sort of blow these things open. So it's very important that CITES need to take the lead on this and, and try and, and, and uh, rectify that problem.
1: And then there's the case of Julian Rademeyer and his book, Killing for Profit, that brought such light into the rhino issue. And that's still an issue, pro-trade, anti-trade, um, what's working, what isn't. We're still losing rhino, but today we're talking about live elephants. So when it comes down to NGOs and journalists carrying this torch, how do we, how do we uh, light the fire? under my global listenerships today so that they pick up this torch and we fight like heck? What are, what, are, where, what are some resources we can use and what do we do? We've got a few minutes
2: left. So it's it, like we did at COP18. We, we basically all start making a noise in, in whichever way possible. I know there's an uh, NGOs organizing a march on the Chinese embassy in London. Uh, you can do it in your local city go to the Zimbabwe embassy if there's one nearby if, if there's such an animal where, where you live you know, just make a noise, get it out there get the local newspapers to start reporting on, on your activities, get it on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook As the more of us that we talk about this the, the more things are going to happen we've seen it happen in the past we can make it happen again
1: it has to be a public groundswell rising up because right now our governments aren't listening to us and the wild the wildlife trade and the illegal trade is worth hundreds of thousands of billions of dollars a year and our our world is being decimated as we talked about today elephants don't have places to go they're they evolved as continent-wide, raging, large megafauna. They need space, they need room, they need food, and we're taking it all up. So we have to be the responsible party. And I mean, I know it, it would go to where some people are saying CITES was rigged and um, was taken into consideration and swayed by bribes or what other, by um, animal welfare, animal rights people. Do you agree with that?
2: <laughs> that CITES was taken up by the animal rights people. No, in fact I think it's the opposite. I think CITES is completely and has been dominated by the the other side, the the sort of pro trade lobby, the hunting lobby. Um, they've they've kind of dangled the big sort of dollar carrot in front of the delegates' noses and and g- have generally got their way. It is only with this cop and and thanks to the IPBS report and other reports that came out this year that kind of you know, it sounded the warning bell about, you know, a million species going extinct. That somehow the delegates kind of found it within their conscience to vote against what they normally do, which is supporting pro trade lobbyists and pro hunting lobbyists and pro live selling of live elephants. You know, so it's, 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 uh, it's, We're it's, in a, the winds it's a mistaken of change. thing. Yeah.
1: We are on the edge, the razor's edge of this paradigm shift, people. Um, We thought it was going to happen in 2016 for elephants. It pretty much got tabled. CITES didn't want to deal with it in August. It came up. Lots happened. There were big wins for a lot of species. But elephants are still on the table. So we have three years of work to do in front of us to keep this alive, as Adam said, and ensure this never happens again. Adam, do you have any final words? Because we're about out of time.
2: Okay, so the next COP is in Costa Rica, which is a country that uh, supports uh, the the, uh, protection of biodiversity. It's anti-trade, it's anti-hunting, it's anti-the sale of live animals. So hopefully, when we all arrive at Costa Rica, we're going to make uh, some even bigger changes than we did in Geneva this August.
1: That's great. So, folks, uh, you heard it here. A nice, great breakdown. Adam, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to talking with you more, and we'll be in touch on this as we move forward. So, listeners, please, please take action. Uh, go to African Journal. Uh, Af- AfricanElephantJournal.com, WildEyes.org are our, our Facebook pages, our our Wild World pages, and become a voice for these elephants. So, uh, meanwhile, that's it for our Wild World. Mm-hmm.